Hello there! It's Friday, which means it's time once again for the best movie podcast ever. The only movie podcast to offer objective and hyperbole-free discussion of every movie in the known universe. I am your host, the podcaster with no name, and with me as always, his soul is mine! It's Anthony James! Good afternoon, good evening, good night. I, I was not aware of that. I didn't lean into that as much as I could have, listener. So just <laughs> you thank your lucky stars that I didn't ham that up. That was that was about that was me at about fifty percent that you got there. I could have gone Question. As a Mortal Kombat novice, I played a few of the games. Yeah. Um Was that a quote from the new one or the old one? Uh, that was a quote from the old one, um, which has since been canonized in the later games so that was a, okay. that was a carry hiroyuki tagawa as shang sun quotes from the opening of uh, paul ws anderson's tilt at the mortal Kombat uh canon in 1995 more on that later and uh and uh, <laughs> he then came back in like it was like two years ago they were like you know what he was really good as shang sun maybe we should just put him in our video game and he came back for mortal Kombat 11 which i was all about um we're I didn't gonna, know there was that many. There are there are a lot of Mortal Kombat. There's a lot of Mortal Kombat movies as well. Some of which we're going to be discussing in this week's oh. movie diary. For those of you who haven't listened before, this is where we talk about all the movies we have seen since the last time we did one of these. And if you haven't picked up on the incredibly subtle cues, we've kind of stumbled, or I have kind of stumbled into a themed episode this week by basically watching yeah. video game movies. Um, half a theme, half a theme episode, definitely yeah. for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean. It's no secret that I'm a I'm a I'm a massive nerd. I've got Vegeta on my. We can't see it. Vegeta's on there. He's on there somewhere. He's um, on there. Yeah. Before we do that, what do I need to say? Please subscribe to us on YouTube. We are the Culture Cave on there, or on podcasting apps if that is your preferred medium of consumption. We are the best movie podcast ever. Uh, and get involved in the comments. Let us know what you watched or what you thought of the movies that we're going to discuss. But other than that. I say it's about time to watch some gosh darn movies. Watch some gosh darn movies. Discuss some gosh darn movies. Let's do it. <laughs> there we go. Great. Seamless. I was, to, I was trying to Darren Brown them to hit the like button. Yeah, that was that. Yeah, yeah. Call to action, both visually and audially. <laughs> okay. Just, like, just every now and then we'll just go like this. So I think, how many did you say you've got? <laughs> yeah, that would be great. I've got two. I didn't actually watch Iron Man 3. Okay, so why don't... Let me... Why, I, I think we should start on Mortal Kombat. Okay. And then we can do Sound of Metal. And then we can just maybe just end on end on your last one. The documentary, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I th- you introduced Sound of Metal. Yeah? Okay. I, th- I think it's the type of film you'll be better at introducing than me. Okay, cool. Right. Here we go. Movies. Movies about fatalities. We're here to talk about them. I'm not going to beat around the bush. We're going to talk about Mortal Kombat first because I've been. this is the part I was born to play. Um, <laughs> I watched two Mortal Kombat movies this week. Not one. Count them. Two. I could have watched three. I decided not to subject myself to Mortal Kombat Annihilation because <laughs> that movie, even for someone like me, is a dumpster fire. Um, so, Anthony, have you seen the original movie? The 95 one? No. Okay. So as usual, no. Okay, that's fine. I mean there's there's going to be a recurring theme in both of these movies uh, and it'll soon become clear why. So cast your mind back to the heady days of 1995. Spice Girls are running wild 
England are preparing for a strong run at the Euros in Euro 96. Teddy Sheringham and Alan Shearer leading the line. Um, and a young man named Paul W.S. Anderson has yet to ruin his name by attaching himself to the Resident Evil movie franchise. Um <laughs> And 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 he decides, you know what? Mortal Kombat is big news. It's in the it's in the arcades. People are ripping each other's spines out, and we want some of that action. Um, and he decides to make a movie about it. Now, this movie is by by any metric a bad movie. I will say, <laughs> <laughs> like it's it is some of the worst casting, um, diabolically bad acting, um. And really, a plot that is just that is pretty paper thin. But gosh darn it, that it's got some heart, and I kind of love it. So it basically tells the story of a bunch of martial artists who get grouped together on an island by um, the Outworld sorcerer Shang Sun, who basically wants to win. Like, there's a tournament between Outworld and the Earth Realm. If Outworld mm. win ten in a row, they get to like invade Earth Realm, and they've won nine in a row. And this is the tenth one, and he's you know getting up to all kinds of japes. And, and trickery to, to try and beat Earth Realm's warriors. That's essentially okay. the plot. First question. I'm going to need a Go lot on. of questions here. Go on. Is the storyline of the battle, is it like an actual tournament like in Dragon Ball Z where they have like the square to fight on? Or is it more of like a battle royale like in the film Battle Royale? Um, so sometimes is the answer to that. So there are several fights that are clearly organized. There are crowds, there are rings. Um, the fighters have entrances, entrances and they fight each other with some semblance of rules. Other times, people just fight in the woods with no one around, and that's apparently an official <laughs> fight in the, competi- in, the, in the competition. It's um, like in wrestling, whenever like someone just slams someone into the wall backstage and goes, count this, ref, count yeah, this! Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sometimes you get like the sort of Ken Shamrock, Steve Blackman, unsanctioned match that happens uh, backstage. Or the, um, go- the, gold, the gold dust on a, on a stretcher, yeah. unconscious. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. So that, hap- that's, that, that happens between Scorpion and Johnny Cage um, in, in, in this one. Um, so... The first thing I have to mention about this, because I think it's the first thing anyone will think of when they think of the 95 Mortal Kombat movie, is the absolutely banging score that they created Mm. for this. So it's just techno at its absolute finest, no holds barred, Uh, it is completely cheesy. The movie opens, as all all good movies should, with someone shouting the name of the movie. Um, just goes Mortal Kombat, and then goes into the da 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 da, and then like the 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 title, the like the the um, I think it was Paramount who put this out. No, it wasn't Paramount. I can't remember who it was, but the the production company logo comes up, and then the Mortal Kombat logo comes up, and it's on fire. It's a great opening, and and in fact, actually, the first ten minutes of this movie, where all the characters are introduced, is pretty damn good. Like in terms of faithful character introductions you get johnny cage turning up played by lyndon ashby and he just beats up a bunch of guys on a movie set um you get Liu kang whose brother's killed by shang sun he's like the kind of i guess he's 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 like your ryu if you want your street fighter analog he's like the kind of the, the the asian main character because that was the thing that all fighting games had at this point um you get sonya blade and Jax looking for the criminal kano um in uh, in some great nightclub where Sonya just decides to shoot some guy with a shotgun in the middle of a crowd, which doesn't seem like the kind of thing a cop would do, but I mean she does. Um, this is a lot of characters being introduced. I want to, I've got a question for you again. Go on. So are these characters being introduced in like a really sort of one at a time sort of way, or how's it work? Because like I'm what I, my mind's going to like uh, Suicide Squad, 
where it's like, hey, this is Boomerang Guy, this is uh, Deathshot, this is all these people, and it literally has their name on the screen. And then, yeah. like, for some reason, 45 minutes later, there's a new character who just appears out of nowhere called Katana, and then she dies. <laughs> I mean, so, th- th- there is a character called Katana who is literally introduced in this movie about halfway through, funnily enough. Um, oh my god, it's the same. <laughs> yeah, it's the same movie. But, I mean, this movie has a lot of flaws. The, the thing that it does do very well is these introductions. They're not as kind of... They don't have those kind of presentational elements. This was kind of before that kind of schlock made its way into mainstream cinema. But it's very much like, here's your Johnny Cage scene, here's your Sonic Blade scene, here's your Liu Kang scene. Because those are your three main characters. And obvi- the, th- the, the the thing that unifies these characters is um, Shang Sun turning up in some, in some way um, to, you know, manipulate them towards joining the, the tournament. Um, and then with Liu Kang's scene, we also get the unforgettable Christopher Lambert, uh, the, the Belgian man, as the Chinese thunder god Raiden. Um, <laughs> so this is a case of casting so bad that it goes full circle and just becomes amazing. Where like <laughs> yeah. he is, he is not trying to be. You know, he, he's made the right decision. He's just going to be a white guy playing a Chinese thunder god and I, with white hair. And he he's like got his weird Christopher. I think it's actually Christopher Lambert is how you pronounce his name, but I, I've never actually heard it said out loud. But either way. His his accent is terrible. He's hamming it up, and it's amazing. Um, what what accent is he putting on? He's basically just like I don't think so. Like, and oh, like, he's just putting on a weird accent. Yeah, he's got like a gravelly voice. He sounds less like the Highlander than um, than you might expect. Um, yeah, because he was the Highlander. In the Highlander, I'm assuming he has a really bad Scottish accent. I don't. I can't remember what accent he tried in the Highlander. I, I definitely remember that His it is Connor, Connor McLeod. Yeah, I mean, so. he's supposed to be Scottish, uh, and and Sean Connery is in that movie, and he is playing a Spaniard. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> it's that movie. Christopher like Anthony has, Hopkins playing Zorro. Yeah, that's it's basically just this kind of roulette wheel of accents for actors who are not suited to them at all um but but yeah so th- this movie is it has some heart it really does um and and there are certain th- bits about it that i do really love so as i say the the introductions are great um they it's it they made the awful choice as a lot of movies did in the the kind of mid 90s to employ cgi for the character yeah. reptile which has an age incredibly poorly and it particularly it had to be done though conrad it was a stepping stone it did and i think i remember at the time being like oh this looks okay but when you compare it to the character mm-hmm. goro who is a practical effect it's literally a dude with like a harness on his back he's like this big like eight foot tall guy with with set with four arms um right. it stands out um although i will okay. say goro because it's literally a dude with a harness his upper body is literally three times the size of his tiny little human legs which is very very funny um <laughs> the characterizations aren't all that faithful in this one so you've got sub-zero and scorpion sub-zero is my, my boy um he's the guy who shoots ice and scorpion who's like the undead ninja that he killed and is now back and they they're supposed to be like mortal enemies in this they're just like they they, they dismiss that with a throwaway line they're like they're mortal enemies but they're under shangson's power they're just gonna be bad guys who die um yeah the fight scenes are very very good for the most part um and i i love the way the movie knows that its score is one of its strong points so there'll be long stretches of of like kind of silence or ambient um 
a sound where you know plot is happening and then suddenly a fight will happen and the the the, the theme will just come back and like blast out of the speakers it's like there's no thought to to any kind of subtlety in the sound bounce at all it's like here this is what you're here for you want the mortal Kombat theme there you go like it's kind of <laughs> on par with space jams um quad city djs uh theme i would say space um, jam see see yeah the mortal Kombat theme right is this like on. a i don't is is it is it bringing elements of like what I imagine is like the old eight bit theme into it, um, or is it like a brand new theme for the film? I think it's a completely new thing. I don't I don't remember any of the music from this ever appearing in the games previously, and it's it's one of those. Um, it's a score that is so, or I don't want to call it a score because it's it's kind of individual tracks, but but it's music that was so impactful that it beca- became like the de facto music of Mortal Kombat, despite never appearing in a game, which is a sign of how how good it was. Right, um, okay. But yeah, I mean, this movie, if you've seen it, you are probably a fan. And if you are not a fan, you've seen it, you probably didn't like it. And you're right to do so, because it's a terrible movie. Um, the The script is so hokey that it's actually quite adorable in this um so that there's a there's a moment this character katana who is introduced as like some outworld princess um telling Liu kang to use the element which brings life to defeat sub-zero who's the ice ninja rather than just saying water as if solving <laughs> that part that riddle benefits him in any way um and then later in the movie the character of sonya blade uh, in slow motion screams like no as a character who she has literally never spoken to in the entire film is killed by Goro <laughs> like it just it, the, 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 the movie does not have time for things like that and I kind of respect it but it's not I love this movie I can't in good conscience say it's a good movie unfortunately well Sonya Blade funnily enough I thought I recognised the actress's oh, name yeah you know and- she is the love interest in Billy Madison. Yeah, yes, she is. Sampras's wife, Bridget Nielsen Sampras. Um, yeah, um, and all I remember is that uh, if if Billy Madison, Adam Sandler, got a question right, she would remove an, a piece of clothing. That's yes. what I remember. I, I, I remember her singing a song where she asked the question, haven't I got a nice rack? Um, and that was a that was a, a pretty formative moment for me in my teenage years, I have to say. Yeah. Um, well, Pete Sampras liked it, so he he, he got there old in the pi- end. Old but, Pistol um, Pete. Yeah, yeah, well, Pistol Pete. Well, I'm going to be honest with you, uh, Conrad. Um, you have, you've not sold that film to me. Um, it's the kind of movie I, that I would make you watch, and I think you, yeah. you would probably enjoy this if you watched it with me, because I'd be like, "Oh, check this shit out." Um, but I feel yeah. like no, you- no, no. This, yeah, hundred percent. This is this sparks speaks as a film, which I know. Before it's all said and done, you will have sat me down to watch yeah. this film. I know, I know that for a fact. But, but like, I, I've seen a lot of critics for this movie and the next movie I'm going to discuss, who who clearly aren't fans of the source material, who are like, this is garbage, and they are absolutely right. Um, and I'm yeah, gonna, I'm but, gonna, <laughs> but also wrong. Yeah, but they are wrong. They are objectively wrong. That movie is great, and yeah. likewise, this I'm going to put my credibility on the line here because this next movie. I I said not how how many episodes ago was it? It was like two episodes ago that I kind of disliked the way The Rock was like when it when the Baywatch uh, movie uh, reboot came out. He was like mm-hmm. critics hate it, but the fans love it. And I was like, shut up, Rock. That's like a really bad take. Like you should trust people who have you know. <laughs> oh no, I hear the backtrack. But here I am. Yeah, boop boop boop. I'm backing it up. I'm backing it up. Um, a lot of critics seem to hate. Mortal Kombat 2021. I believe it had like a 50% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes uh, when last I checked it. Um, And again, qualitatively, 
there are a lot of problems with this movie, but God help me, I left the, the movie thinking that was pretty good. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so basically, I mean, this this it, it tells a different story in, in, in theory, this one. The setup is basically the same. Outworld have to win a 10th tournament to... Um, to uh conquer earth realm and it's the same kind of setup the difference here is that we get um lewis tan is our protagonist he's not a member of the mortal Kombat cast and i kind of understand why they they've chosen like a generic protagonist because it's almost like an audience analog through which we see the cool characters doing their stuff mm. so, so he plays uh, a descendant of uh, Hiroyuki Sanada's Scorpion. And the opening scene is Hiroyuki Sanada, who is great casting for Scorpion in this, um, fighting... He looks a little bit like... Uh, Lewis Tan looks a little bit like a... Like an like an Asian Matthew Fox who is uh, Jack from Lost. Yeah, he does have he does have that kind of like lantern jawed uh, yeah. kind of kind of appearance. Um, but yeah, so the, the the film opens with this great fight scene between Hiroyuki Sanada and Joe Taslim as Scorpion and Sub Zero. Um, fantastic casting for both of them and it's a really really strong opening uh and lewis tan is is basically the descendant of scorpion or, or hanzo hasashi as he was before he died um mm. and it is revealed that there's a bunch of fighters around the world who have this tattoo this mark that basically notes them as someone who can who will awaken powers within themselves that lets them throw fireballs and do shit like that um and they're the ones who will compete in the tournament and shang sun and sub-zero um, are sending assassins around Earthrealm, basically killing people with this mark, so that there's no one left to fight in the tournament. Um, and this is how uh, how uh, Lewis Tan's character, whose name is Cole something, it's completely Cole generic, Young. and yeah, that's that's right. Like he he's generic, generic man. He's he, there's there's no character to him whatsoever. Um, but that's how he ends up kind of running into our cool characters, which is you know Sonya Blade. Jax, Liu Kang, Kung Lao, um, and Raiden. Um, and of course, Allison. <laughs> Allison, did you say? There's a character called Allison, yeah. Uh, amongst all these amazing names. I'm trying to remember Allison. who that is. It might be his daughter. He has a family angle that is just like dropped for the entire movie and then comes back right at the end. It's really bad. And, and there are a lot of things about this movie that I absolutely agree with critics about that are awful. So first, first, like number one with the bullet, the sound balance is shocking. I know, like you're a big fan of Christopher Christopher Nolan, um, yep. but I feel like this is his fault. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. There are there are moments in this film where the music is blaring over people speaking to the point where you can't hear them speaking. You can't hear what they're saying. It's like who who mixed this? Who and and Christopher Nolan? Yeah, yeah. I know he kind of started it with Dark Knight Returns or Dark Knight Rises rather. Um, with Bane's dialogue, and it's kind of... It's been a feature of his films. I think it's deliberate since then. Um, but it's really... I think, he, I think it's because he's trying this thing where he's, he's like, you know, it's an experience, man. Like, the dialogue isn't the most important thing. It's the whole experience. It's a bit like... It's like whenever bands mix the vocal low, really low in the track. Yeah, um, yeah. And I'm like, I get you're trying to do a different thing, but I just want to hear what they're saying. Yeah, it just makes it hard to follow, I find. And, yeah. and this this is really suffers from that as well. Fortunately, there ain't no plot to follow, so you don't have to worry about it. Um, <laughs> the the If I was going to characterise this movie, I'd say the opening 15 minutes is really strong. The middle fully 45 minutes to 50 minutes is fucking garbage and then the end is amazing so th the problem I, I, the, the sound mixing even though it's the most obvious problem 
the real problem is that the movie gets lost in trying to justify this extended training sequence where mm. they're trying to wake up the uh the, the the magical spirit in Kano um and and Cole Young and and all these other characters with marks and it's just it's nonsense it doesn't need to justify itself it's like just let them throw fireballs i don't care you don't need i'm i'm here to see characters with metal arms punching guys heads open like you don't need to explain to me how they get the metal arms it's fine um well actually i that's the only thing i know about this film is that there's been some memes online about like you know it took a long time to get to the tournament oh absolutely i mean there barely is a tournament like the 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 tournament is kind of like an afterthought it's it's um that last half hour essentially um Mm -hmm. it spends way too long getting to it but god help me when it gets to it it is great there's there there is a moment and i'm not going to say who but there's a moment in this movie where someone cuts someone else in half very very graphically um and that was the moment where i sort of like i, I was you know this i was my dad re- like reading the newspaper that was the moment where the newspaper drops and i was like hello like we got ourselves a movie <laughs> like it was <laughs> it, that 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 was the moment where i went from being like oh this is going to be trash to to suddenly being like okay show me what you got and from that point onwards it is just dumb fights with people crushing people's heads and lasering eyes out and mm-hmm. turning blood into knives and stabbing people in the neck with it and disemboweling people and i was i was very very much on board with that um okay and i think the movie i wasn't a big one thing i will say for those fights is and i think this was a budgetary concern i wasn't a big fan of um three of the big fights happening in regular ass suburban homes and areas um mm. particularly when you look at kind of the production design of the first movie where everything's it's very much inspired by like enter the dragon so it's you know these are these kind of misty islands and like really really yeah, yeah. really f- like fantastic settings uh and this doesn't have that at all and I- i'm sure it's a budgetary thing because there's there's no way it was made uh, uh that they there's no way they made that decision uh willingly but it does kind of detract from like you've you've got this guy who can summon knives on his arms fighting an eight foot tall dude with four arms in like a shed in Arizona. It's just like, <laughs> could you not get a better setting for this guy? It's like just just anything would have done really. Um, but the fights are great. Um, the the creators absolutely know that the audience are here for like the audience like myself are here for Scorpion versus Sub Zero. Those are easily the two most popular characters in the franchise, and that's the big payoff fight, um, and it absolutely delivers. Um, but uh, yeah, it's I I one hundred percent see why anyone who doesn't know the material and doesn't care for the material would think this was garbage because from a just a just a traditional storytelling perspective it that middle chapter is so bad but it won me back round all it takes is someone being cut in half is what i've yeah learned. well that, that that sounds good to me so basically what run you when you back round to a film of two halves is a man getting cutting, cutting <laughs> exactly. half exactly yeah and you know it's it, it shows the head yeah yeah i mean it shows it shows everything to quote uh, to quote patrick stewart like you see <laughs> The whole Everything. shebang gets cut in <laughs> half, and I was very much there for it. And then another person has their head crushed, and I was like, "All right, all right, movie." <laughs> like you, yeah. To be honest with you, you might have got me into this. Yeah, now. you're you're I- you're playing. You're yeah. You're, you're kind of playing to the gallery here because I could feel you know all all, all of the other Mortal Kombat fanboys being like, "Yeah, 
fine. You've 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 swung this back around. I I do I do hope though. I I hope they make another one of these because I think it has made quite a lot of money uh, so far, and I suspect it will continue okay. to do so because there aren't any other films out at the moment. Um, I'm really interested how these how much money films are making at the minute. Yeah. Um, making like the idea of a film making their money back in this climate seems ridiculously hard to do yeah well yeah. and I, I think of, of my my understanding is that it's like it was before only more so so uh, uh godzilla versus kong has been like at the top of the box office charts for weeks now because that's like mm. the only thing that um the only thing that's that's out um i'm just checking it now so it's done 50 million worldwide which is not that good actually so that's i mean it's i mean that's what it's first week uh, or mm. first weekend actually um because we're recording this on a monday so um, it would have done more than that if cinemas were open yeah so i'm um, 50 million worldwide is not bad actually for yeah it's a, a a movie released during a pandemic for a, particularly a bad movie being released uh during a pandemic um but i do hope yeah. that, that there is promise here i hope they get they make enough money to make another one and i hope the first thing they do is drop lewis tan's character not because he's bad but he's just very generic and no one mm. cares um he's he's not part of the mortal Kombat crew and i don't want to see him when i could see johnny cage um that's really interesting like the idea that it drags so much in the middle there it, it do you think that this film like in 20 years time is going to be remembered like the first mortal Kombat, or you think it's, I, it's trying to capture lightning in a bottle again i i think the first one is remembered so fondly now because it's so cheesy and you've got like mm. the, it has it is kind of like that lightning in a bottle of the amazing techno theme the incredibly hammy performances of like linda nashby as johnny cage and and uh, christopher lambang and uh carrie uh tagawa um i always forget how you've, uh, the hiroyuki tagawa rather um this i don't think has the cheese or the kind of humor of that first movie but that last half hour is really really good so i could okay. see people being i could basically i could see someone making a supercut of just being like just ignore that you get the the, the like the sub-zero scorpion fight at the beginning cut out the entire middle go straight to the mortal Kombat, what is effectively a tournament just have that don't worry about the middle it doesn't matter and that will be remembered very fondly and i i, th- I think i i I'd like if I, if I try and put my kind of like critic hat on I think this is qualitatively at least the equal of the original movie, but okay. you. But, but I mean, your mileage will vary depending on how much you like that original movie. That's interesting to me. Um, I think I think there's always a, those films which are kind of a bit naff and a bit over the top and a bit silly, like the original Mortal Kombat seems to be. I always find that remakes of those type of films kind of miss the essence of what made them likable. Yeah. Um, is this is this an example of that? Like, are they trying to make like a more serious, gritty version of Mortal Kombat here, or are they leaning into the silliness? Well, um, yeah, they're definitely not leaning into the silliness of the. In- so the first the first movie is like PG thirteen. There's no gore in it at all, really. Um, it's 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 cheese without the schlock. I think this they they understand the inherent ridiculousness of the like like super violence of mortal Kombat, and and i feel like this is a product of um where the games have gone so the games have famously really like the the the, the fatalities so what you do at the end of each match where you know you, you get you can it shouts finish him and then you can yeah, do yeah. something horrible to someone um you know that, that used to be stuff like ripping someone's head off and now if you look at those old fatalities it's like oh that's cute um because like in the new games it's it's like it, it, 
if you walked in and saw them, you'd be like, this is going to turn someone into a serial killer. Like, it's, it's you know, <laughs> people's eyes are flying out of their heads and stuff. Like, they're so ridiculous. They're like an itchy and scratchy cartoon now. Um, yeah. And I feel like the violence in this is a direct reflection of that. But it definitely has lost a lot of the humour and the charm. And I think that middle chapter is a perfect encapsulation of the mistakes they made in trying to tell like a human story in the middle of this um and, and it's it's a really kind of fundamental misunderstanding of their own fan base as well because i can't imagine any mortal Kombat fans care about cole's story like he's not a mortal combat yeah. character even if he were a mortal combat character uh he, his his story and the story of his family isn't particularly well told the whole marks thing isn't mortal Kombat law so it's just a really clumsy way of getting to a conclusion that's really simple when you when you look at the first movie it's like these guys are good at fighting get them on an island they can fight yeah that's the setup you don't need to do any more than that so the fact they spend so long um just faffing around with this training sequence is kind of kind of baffling um and the, the last thing i will say about it actually and i this has been a very divisive character but um uh what is the actor's name josh lawson plays kano who's like this kind of criminal who happens to be working with the good guys he was a standout for me i think he carried that middle chapter because he's the only character who's funny he's like the sort of comic relief i've i've seen a lot of people say they found him really annoying so if you go if you go to watch this movie know that if you find him annoying when you first meet him you are not going to enjoy the middle of that movie because he doesn't change and he is basically called upon to do all of the work uh, in terms of salvaging it um okay but yeah all that said i still really enjoyed it um i i've cr- i've been openly critical of people who were like w- like we, w- i think we talked about um uh, bohemian rhapsody and how people if, if the last 10 minutes of a movie are good it can trick them into thinking they enjoyed the movie and that is 100 yeah. <laughs> percent what's happened to me here but you know what they did it so good on them i guess yeah yeah like that's that's just the way it goes um well yeah okay well i'm probably not going to watch them anytime soon but you, you've definitely opened the door to, for me to to get to check them out yeah eventually just like nudged um, it open yeah hey conrad we both watched the same movie this week. I know it's unprecedented. We've we've gone and done it, folks. The the original. Well, I think, I I don't want to say this is like the original premise, but I feel like this was one of the ideas behind this was that we'd like kind of watch the same movies and then have a have a live discussion, if you like. Well, it was never meant to be that we watched all the same movies, but I no. think we were always going to try and have an anchor point. And I think maybe this will be the start of that. I like the idea of having an anchor point. Um, we've done it sometimes because sometimes we talk about films we've both seen. But uh, this week we actually both uh, we really wanted to see this film. So yeah. the way I kind of I'm I'm glad we did this because the way I kind of feel is a new film that comes out I get to watch so few films uh, just because of life um, that whenever you watch a new film in my mind I'm like right okay I can't watch that now because because I I can't just talk about it again on <laughs> yeah, the podcast exactly. you can't bring it up again yeah but I don't have time to watch you know it and three more or whatever so yeah i think in the future if we like say if we just like say all right well this is a new film coming out we'll both watch this it means i'll actually get to watch new films yeah <laughs> you know well, I, mean? like, I, th- I think this is going to be a sign of things going forward is that we'll yeah we'll try to watch the new films not together but um but we'll try to both get a watch in of a new film when when there's yeah. a new film out we want to see um and um and yeah give 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 you guys um some kind of relatively live um discussion about it so um Mm -hmm. i'm calling this a new release because my standard is that when it comes out in the uk when it gets a theatrical release somewhere that i can watch it that's its release date so this is 
2021 and the Oscars can suck my dick the, the Sound of Metal um, directed by Darius Marder and starring Riz Ahmed and Olivia Cook and um, mm-hmm. and uh, Paul I don't know how to pronounce his surname Racy or Rassi yeah I'm not sure yeah I'm not sure but um, yeah, I mean, you, you've said that you've been looking forward to watching this. I've I've had an eye on this one for a while. Um, it was getting a lot of buzz because um, I think it I think it actually released in America. I want to say like or October or September time last year okay. um, was getting a lot of buzz back then. Um, but for for those of you who don't know, it essentially tells the story of a drummer in a metal band. Uh, I didn't catch the name of the band, which is normally something I look out uh, for. I did catch it. It's Black Something, and I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember. But it's I'd like I normally I'm on the lookout for that because I like a I like a good fictional band name. Um, but he he's a drummer in a band. He he suddenly loses his hearing, um, and it's Black a, Gammon. Black Gammon. That's it. I don't know how I feel about that. Actually, I'm not sure because gammon is a type of meat. <laughs> like, I know it's a card game, obviously as well. But it's. I feel like they thought blackjack. No, that's too generic. Black gammon. <laughs> yeah, sort of like... I think. I think if you call something like black steak, it's kind of having undertones that maybe you don't want. Yeah. You know, a, a, a color and then a steak. If it's also a color that's sort of used to describe a race of people, it's a bit strange. Well, yeah, it? yeah. I, I, I think. Maybe maybe um, black sausage was taken. Well, that's how, you know, I'm not. I'm just cutting this conversation out off at the knees. I can't. We're gonna, we're gonna dig ourselves a hole here, or I'm gonna dig myself a hole. Um, so I mean, yeah, it's essentially he he, he suffers from hearing problems. Uh, this mm-hmm. being Ruben's uh, Ruben, who is played by Riz Ahmed, um, and it's him trying to find a way back to normal life, uh, or at least that's kind of on the surface what the movie's about. Realistically, yeah. what the movie is about is him exploring um the many demons that he has the many flaws in his character he has through the people he meets and the experiences that he uh, that he goes through um and i'm gonna say this right now i don't i don't want to i don't want to lead you down down um a path with this but i really liked this movie i thought it was i thought it was great okay i'm, I'm gonna disagree with you there did you not enjoy um, it I thought it was fantastic. Okay, uh, he, he got me, folks. He absolutely, absolutely got me. Fan, fantastic. This is the exact sort of film that is right up my alley. Yeah. Now, obviously, like I like all sorts of films, really. But when I want to watch a really good film, I sort of go for a Paul Thomas Anderson style character study. Yeah. And this is kind of what I feel. I think this is what it's kind of doing. Is it's, it's def- definitely a character study of this of of, of Riz Ahmed. Mm. It's not the only character that has growth. Like mm. uh, Lou, played by Olivia Cook, also has growth. Yeah. But the the, the the journey you go on with him, um, and there's something I really like it. The characters he meets along the way, the sort of humanity that comes into him through working with the kids and <clears> learning sign <throat> yeah. language, and I, 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 I really enjoyed it. And I, I love I love the fact that me as someone who's never really thought too much in my life about what it would be like to be deaf um i i like that there was also an aspect of just a, as a byproduct of what the film's about there was an aspect of raising awareness oh, of absolutely. the deaf community absolutely yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I actually went and read a bit about um about the the, the deaf actors um mm-hmm. who who appeared in this movie and um i think particular shout out to um an actor who isn't who isn't deaf but uh, but paul rassi paul racy i apologize mm-hmm. for pronouncing his name correctly so he he essentially plays a character who runs a school kind of a school for the deaf it's kind of like a almost like a retreat for the deaf it you know l- like teaches young children um how to how to live um with an impairment or you know teaches them that it isn't an impairment in fact is his is his philosophy um, i think it's also as well implied that a lot of the people who go to him are, are addicts of some sort yeah yeah i think that that's that, right. that 
that th- through becoming deaf they might relapse so that he he helps them through that like sort of traumatic moment in their life yeah so so he himself is like a veteran who lost his hearing um in a in a um a military injury um and was um uh, like became an alcoholic but but paul rassi himself is is a veteran uh, and he's a musician with deaf parents so on top of him mm-hmm. being a great actor who turns in a phenomenal performance here what a yeah. pull he is for this role um yeah and, and and it's slightly frustrating that it's taken him 40 years to to get a platform to showcase uh, his talents because I, I i thought you know talking about character actors who um um who get uh, to shine in this movie i think he's so soft-spoken and gentle in this um he he just perfectly encapsulates what you imagine someone with the empathy and patience required to to perform this kind of role would be like i i was blown away by him and and the 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 culminating scene of riz ahmed's storyline in that in that environment yeah with with Paul Rassi uh, at at the table, we'll not go into the details in case we don't want to spoil things. But the culminating scene of that relationship is so well performed by both sides. Yeah. Paul Rassi, in particular, the real true heartbreak in him that that is he he feels he feels like like Riz Ahmed does something that he doesn't want him to do, basically. Yeah, and and Riz Ahmed can no longer be with him and with, and with the people because. He doesn't want the people to realize to, to know what Riz Ahmed chose to do yeah. in case it, it, it hinders their progress. Yeah. And, and I just thought that was perfect. I, I got exactly what he was putting across. And as you said, yeah, in that moment, I'm just like, where has this guy been? Like, this is unbelievable. Yeah, and 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 I think that that moment you're talking about there is is made all the more impactful by what has led up to that. Where you know, this mm-hmm. is a period where Ruben comes to feel at home in this deaf community uh you know he's looking after kids he's learning to sign um you know he's fitting into these group sessions and there's a probably 15 20 minute stretch there where that's going on and i just had the biggest grin on my face while that was going on it was so Mm -hmm. heartwarming uh and it makes what comes after it um so much sadder um yeah without getting too yeah. much too much into it um i also think as well something i really wanted to mention because obviously the oscars were this weekend um and i didn't want to didn't want to get too much into it but um we were talking <laughs> briefly before about how it won best best uh, before we recorded about how it won best editing um yeah but i also Mikkel nielsen <laughs> yes yeah exactly Mikkel nielsen those of us those of you who listen to the after dark podcast those who know that. know yeah exactly <laughs> but i think something i really wanted to drill down on here was that it won the oscar for best sound as well um mm, all the sound and yeah. the, the 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 kind of um the use of the, that kind of like dull throbbing background noise to hi- mm-hmm. uh, to uh, really encapsulate um ruben's isolation is brilliant um and then and and the, the absolute bravery um of the sound team to just allow scenes to be quiet as well um mm. so it's so something that's, that's what i was gonna say like the, the sound design was so brilliant but in mo- it, it's actually really clever what they did is that sometimes when you really noticed the sound design and how good it was there was literally silence and and what i loved about it was whenever he was first losing his hearing the first time we meet him um it's a real sort of strange two worlds butting up against each other because he's he's this rock star who's like going on a tour he's also an addict but when you so you see see them screaming and singing their music and he's playing the drums and then it cuts to the morning and he like gets up and he makes a lot wonderful breakfast yeah, making smoothies. and he's making making smoothies making coffee Doing and everything and 
do an exercise and everything's really tranquil and and the sounds are so rich and full like the the coffee hitting the pot the the smoothie being made it isn't until five minutes later or 10 minutes later when you experience the same routine but with no hearing because he's losing his hearing yeah. that you actually in retrospect it uh, you know you think oh my god the sound design was so amazing yeah that now it's gone i can really tell it's yeah gone. I, and i think the, the, often the best sound i don't want to like nail like you know absolutely nail the oscars because you know they are they are like there's there's problems with a lot of those categories but i feel like off particularly the best sound category often best sound seems to actually mean most sound so if you look at the last five yeah. winners of the best sound category three of them are war movies it's 1917 dunkirk and hacksaw ridge one is a queen biopic and the other one is mad max so it's I don't. Dis- oh, the Quiet Place. The Quiet Place didn't win for sound. No. Interesting. So, like, and I don't disparage those movies. There's some good movies in there, but it's refreshing to see a movie where restraint is recognised as a creative choice, kind of worthy yep. of yep. of respect, and uh, and particularly because it makes the noisy moments in this film, as you as you say, um, both the ones that are designed to be kind of rich and um, and beautiful early on, and later in the movie, the ones mm-hmm. that are designed to be unpleasant jarring. and jarring, yeah. all the more impactful. Um, and there is also kind of a delicious irony to the fact that it took a movie literally about deafness to get the Academy to move away from awarding movies with the loudest explosions in that category. Yeah, and it's also interesting to me that like, the A Quiet Place also had a character who was deaf. Mm. And what's, what's interesting to me is that they actually... I'd love to see more films. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I love the message that this this put out. I love I love being in the world and and be and being made more aware of that world be, mm. of, of of the deaf community. Having said that, I would love this now style of sound editing to move and go into films which necessarily aren't about the deaf community and just have that be a new artistic style which could be p- pursued a bit more. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think there's a real value to silence or quiet um in movies and it's not employed particularly in the, i mean this is a drama it's not an action movie obviously it's a lot mm-hmm. harder to employ it in, a, in an action movie but um but to, to just have it recognized i think is really important as well um it, it it's so it it's like you say it's it's so striking in this the way it moves from these moments of very rich soundscape to nothing to this kind of dull throbbing background noise and then to to kind of tinny horrible noise later in later in the movie um mm-hmm. and yeah i really hope that 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 we can see more movies like this recognize not because loud explosions are bad like they're great you know i, I think i think mad max fury road had amazing sound design um but i think it's quite telling that that and in fact actually if you go back even further the movie that was awarded it before mad max was whiplash which is about a drummer as well um and yeah. it's very musical based so if you if you want to win the best sound Oscar, make a movie with either really loud explosions or a drummer in it. Is what we've learned from uh, from Sound of Metal and um, and Whiplash. Um, yeah, there was a couple of things I wanted to mention about it. The first thing is the the, ti- the title of the film, mm. Sound of Metal. It's obviously speaking of like what can happen uh, if you don't protect your hearing with this style of music in a way. Like it's the sound of the metal music. Yeah, but also like there was a scene in a playground where he connected with a young boy at the school yeah. where uh, they were sort of 
connect, communicating through the the, the taps on a, of a metal slide, and it sort of highlights the the vibrations that they feel and sort of can can understand them. Um, and I thought that was really really well done. Mm. Uh, and it, it made you know it's one of those moments. Maybe it's a bit took me out of it a little bit, but I was like the sound of metal, the sound of metal. That's it, you know. No, I, like I the, love that. That was. I yeah. mean, that that's like at that at the at the beginning of that uplifting section where he kind of finds yeah, his yeah. place within the community. And I was. I kind of knew it wasn't going to happen because it didn't feel like it was going in that direction um, as a movie. But I was, when that started happening, I, I was hoping for a Step Brothers style rock the shit out of that drum kit um, <laughs> yeah. moment where he was going to just be like, you know what, I'm just going to bring my drums in here and blow these guys away and I'm sure I can still play the drums in front of this deaf community. Um, it would have been cheesy and hokey as hell if it had done that, but I, I kind of... I, I I wanted that for the character, which speaks to, to Riz Ahmed's performance. I think, um, mm -hmm. you know, we've already mentioned it briefly, but but he's he, he he has this kind of defensive, like petulance and kind of impulsive mm. quality to him. But he mm. Riz Ahmed also captures like such vulnerability in his performance as well um, yeah. that you kind of can't help but like him. Um, and there, there, there's a great moment. I don't know if you remember this particular scene, but it really for some reason it really stuck out to me where. Um, Paul Rassi's character says you have to go and write um, mm. just to you know start articulating your thoughts and um, and Ruben sits down and there's like a bagel on the desk with a coffee and a, and a pad of paper and and it's this great like I don't know why it got me so much but it's this great kind of duality of his character where he like hammers down on the bagel and like destroys it and then like kind of carefully reconstructs it again and then hammers down on it again and then carefully reconstructs it again and it's just this brilliant um, like dichotomy of his character where he is both sensitive and vulnerable and also just this kind of vessel over brimming with rage and anger about his situation um and it's just it, yeah it's such a strong performance from him yeah i like i love as well in that scene where he starts smacking the door and smacking mm. the table and it's like he he knows no one can hear him you know yeah so he's sort of he's sort of just <laughs> i'm letting his that, anger that's out. a really good point yeah no one can hear him so he can just do whatever he wants yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I got from it. Right, I got a question for you okay. about the uh, about this film that I'm interested to know what your take on this is. I've been very now. I'm not going to spoil anything here, but there is a conversation to be had about the end of the film. Um, I did love the end of the film, just so you know, before I ask the question. But I've been very aware in recent times of the hero's journey and the end of the hero's journey. You re you return to a place of familiar, like the place of where you were. Yeah. Uh, but you've learned something new uh, with your new skills or new knowledge. Um, this film, I want to ask you: is this is this a tragedy? It because Riz Ahmed, I would say, when he when he gets to the end of the story, he is nowhere near returning to his place of familiar familiar a familiar place. Yeah, I I think um... familiarity. <laughs> I it's that is a really difficult question but I think that's one of the one of the things I loved most most about this film is the the way it doesn't spoon feed you how to feel in certain scenes so mm -hmm. to to answer that question I suppose I will refer back briefly to the the, the first moment where Ruben loses hearing I felt like really captures that kind of gamut of emotions you run when you first discover something is wrong with you. So you mm -hmm. kind of trying to like, and it's all in his expressions. So like you're trying to rationalize it away, then kind of hoping it will fix itself. And then gradually you kind of see the fear set in and that's all delivered 
that that's all kind of presented to you because it's a setup. Whereas yeah. the, the end of the movie, it's much more ambiguous. I, I think to me, I read it as an acceptance that something new was going to have to happen, um, mm-hmm. which is about as positive an ending as I think you could read from this. Um, but there is definitely tragedy in that. Um, yeah. That there is, there is. I don't think there's any way of arguing that what he is forced to give up isn't tragic in and of itself, even if it means that he will grow to some, become something new. Um, and you know, long-time listeners of all of our podcasts will know I am an optimist when it comes to these kinds of things. So uh, perhaps that's my uh, positive nature informing my decision there. Yeah, yeah. Well, as I say, I'm interested to hear that. Um... I think probably I would agree with most of the things you just said. I think that just it was it's a, it was a real it was a re, it was a real sort of shot, a curveball for me that, mm. that this was the first film I've watched in probably six months which didn't have that typical hero's journey ending. Yeah. Um. And I and I and I liked it for that. I, I loved it for that. I love I love I love a, a different take. And obviously, it's not the only film ever to do that. But that's what that's what sort of made me question whether it was a tragedy. Yeah, it is a tra- it is a, it is a tragedy in ways. But there's also there is also as you say a little bit of glimmer of hope in a certain way uh, at the end as well. Um, he sort of without giving anything away at the end, he sort of he has doesn't really have a community. No, he, the thing he's is, made I don't some, really. He's made some mistakes. But I don't, but I don't really know if he had a community. He had a community in his relationship with Lou, but I don't know if he had a community in general apart from that. So maybe there's some similarities in the end and start there. You know. Yeah, I, but I, it doesn't. I feel like that's one of one of the things I really liked about it was it doesn't fit itself into neat little narrative boxes. So he has, mm-hmm. he's clearly the, the the movie is obviously presenting his time spent with the deaf community very positively, mm-hmm. and it, it worked on me. It's very heartwarming, but he never he never fully accepted that he without again without getting into too much in terms of spoilers he never fully accepts that he's deaf he doesn't want to think of himself as deaf um mm-hmm. because he doesn't want to give up music even though mm-hmm. he kind of demonstrates that you don't need to uh be able to hear to 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 play music certainly not to play the drums um or in fact any music you know fucking tell that to mozart um mm-hmm. but um yeah that it's it's a it's a complex movie in terms of what its characters experience and how they behave um really anchored by some really strong performances um and uh, and and actually funnily enough talking about the performances uh i've always got an eye out for when actors play musical instruments to see if it's actually them doing it um and although a lot of uh, riz ahmed's stuff is shot from behind it was actually him doing it so fair dues to riz ahmed's um, well I, i don't know if he already did play the drums but if, if if and I don't know if he already knew sign language, but this is a film which even like without even the actual how great the film is, an actor signing up to it might be like, whoa, I'm going to learn two two skills in this. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to come out of this up on in my in my life skills. Like if I was an actor, I would honestly be going into films thinking, am I going to get a skill out of this role? Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. I, I think I think that's that's a, that's a good trade off um, for for yeah lower wages, uh, hopefully. Mm. Um, but yeah, he, he's he's amazing in this. There's some great performances, and I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I can't recommend this enough. It was a, a, mm-hmm. a stunning film. Yeah, loved it. Uh, okay, so we got one more, um, and I'm not going to spend too much too long on this. It's it's sort of like a 
an update on, on a film that came out in 2013. Ooh. But it's sort of an unofficial sequel in a way. It felt, it very much felt like that anyway. Okay. Um, did you see the documentary Blackfish? I did. I saw it several times. Once with you, actually, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't remember if that was the first time we watched it or not. But yeah, so it actually came out in 2013. And I think we met in 2013. So yeah. that was right around, like, you know, during at the very beginnings of our courtship, that yeah. was Blackfish was the big, <laughs> yeah. the big one. Um, so this is actually a film that came out in 2019. But I hadn't seen, like, it, I'm sure long-time listeners know orcas are my favorite animal. Uh, I absolutely love orcas. I think that's not really a hipster position to take anymore. I think it's just like... They're cool fish. Or mammals, everyone, I guess. They're mammals, yes. Yeah. Everyone loves everyone loves killer whales yeah. these days. They are genuinely my favorite animal of all time. Probably, probably Free Willy had something to do with that. But this film is called Long Gone Wild. And if you liked Blackfish, it's maybe worth watching this as a little bit of an update on what's been happening since Blackfish came out. Okay. And they very explicitly mention within the film, like this is since Blackfish came out, they talk about Blackfish as being a big phenomena in the in, in the animal rights mm. uh, activism uh, sort of world. And and it builds upon that and has some of the same uh, trainers and like experts and things from Blackfish are in this as well. Yeah. Um, it's, it's in terms of, in terms of the actual artistry of documentary making, it's nowhere near as good as Blackfish. Okay. Um, is it the same documentarian who made Blackfish, or is it just kind of like continuing no. the the it's work? Just a conti- it's just yeah, it's continuing the work. There was also another one that came out about the whale Keiku, who is the whale from the films Free Willy. Um, oh, okay. Because he was because he actually got released. Oh, was that into not Shamu? In, in, we've probably had this discussion before, but I always thought it was Shamu in Free Willy. So Shamu, I've actually found out from watching Long Gone Wild. The original. This is really interesting. The first ever um, captured uh, killer whale was captured um, and called. I can't remember. It was like Hanu or Manu or something like that. Yeah, I can't remember exactly. Na, na I think it was Namu or something. Yeah, Namu. I think it was Namu. Basically, then uh, whenever a female was captured, SeaWorld took the female and it was called and they changed its name. They 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 called it Shamu. Because or maybe SeaWorld didn't even take it, but it was called Shamu because it was like a mixture of the Hanu and a she, right? Oh, okay, Shan, right. Sh- Shamu, that's where it came from. Hamu, whatever. Hamu, Shamu, whatever. <laughs> but from then, every whale or every killer whale orca that uh, SeaWorld has is known as a stage name Shamu. So, oh, right. They all, so Tilikum. Who was the one focused on in Blackfish, which killed um, Dawn? Uh, Dawn, one of the traders. Um, he would have been known as Shamu when doing the show. I think they're all just called Shamu. Ah, um, okay, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah, but his his real name was Tilikum. So Keiku, real I'm name. not sure. I like, I like the idea of it. Yeah. Like, that's his choice. No, his real name is. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, what do you call it? So Keiku, I don't think ever was a sea walled animal. I think it was a different. Um, uh, aquarium or whatever it's animal yeah but he was he was he was actually there's a film all about him but long gone wild i'm gonna be honest with you in terms of a documentary i enjoyed it because i love i love orcas and i really love blackfish and as a follow-up it worked but it really felt like someone just giving a powerpoint on what's happened in the uh yeah like orca activism world it just felt like that 2013 this happened you know so it's, 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 it it's like. not kind of like revealing the dark secrets of sea world any further then it's just kind of 
Mm, not really. It does. It, it actually is a little bit. It is a little bit okay. like the us. Uh, it goes into that SeaWorld have sort of tried to change their tact. They've come out and like tried to make, market themselves as good guys and saying that they're going to stop their breeding programs and they're going to let their whales live out in the in the parks and they're sort of getting rid of them by that. Mm. You know, once they die, they're gone. Um, but they're also they also stopped. They also did push through so traders aren't allowed to go into the uh, tank with them now. Yeah. Um, and they're trying to market themselves as much more environmentally friendly. So on the big screens at the Shamu stadiums now, they have wild orcas swimming on the big screens and, and all around the tank is like big, like, you know, makes it look like the, the wild uh, Washington state, uh, you know, coast. And it's got like the big trees and all It's making it look like very naturalistic. Right. And the way the sure whales will come out. Yeah. So the orca will come out and do a flip and then Just like go they back. do in the wild. <laughs> Yeah, and and go and to go back behind. Mm. It's the exact same thing. It's just the whales are being told to do it by the trainer behind the scenes. The whale goes out, does it, and then goes back and gets the fish behind the scenes. Yeah. Um. So it's, there's no there's no change whatsoever. Um. So there's a big push. Uh, oh, I will say as well that they were talking about the fact that some of the whales when they're when they're like at the backstage will just be spy hopping out of the water to watch the screen. Can you think I taught like these animals have been shown they have all the same brain parts as us. Mm. Certain parts of their brain are bigger than our parts of our brain. So by all intents and purposes, they have bigger brains and more more functional brains than us. And you're showing them videos of wild orca. <laughs> yeah. It's like showing um like well, I, I I guess they probably do do this in prison, but it's like showing prison inmates like um yeah. I don't know, movies about people going like ranging out in the in the in the, <laughs> the great forests of america or something yeah so. that, that's just like having that on all the time yeah. and then making making them go out and do like little dances for the public yeah but that that is what it is uh like there's a couple of uh actual real life like they go they go along with the the, the activists who made the film the cove about the dolphins who get killed in a particular cove mm. in asia they went along with him because this is a really actually we'll end on this because I'm not going to talk all day about it. If you're interested in orcas, go and watch it. Long Gone Wild. It's on Amazon Prime in the UK anyway. Yeah. Having said that, one big aspect of the film which is very interesting, and I suppose is something that we didn't really see coming when in, when we watched Blackfish. China apparently China in in the year 2000 at the turn of the century had no middle class. Right. Mm. There was no middle class in China. Now, through the techno- technological advancements of China and the economical advancements of China, there's predicted to be 800 million middle class in China by 2025. Okay? Okay. So be- because of that, the Chinese government and Chinese companies are trying to create more of a landscape in China for middle, uh, uh, middle class people to be able to go out and spend their money. Right, okay. So in China, uh, sea world type not that I see world, but those type of uh, parks, sea parks, are popping up all over the place. Mm. And Russia, uh, people, uh, Russia has started capturing orcas and selling them to the Chinese parks yeah. for millions of dollars. Um, not so basically, though, to be honest, as someone who has been to Russia yeah. and saw a live bear uh, in not great condition, yeah, I'm not that surprised that <laughs> that's yeah. So so. It almost, as well, almost seems like like it wasn't. I don't think it was legal in Russia, but it be, they made it legal so that because no one else in the world was doing it, so they made it legal so that they could actually do it um, and make the money from it. Mm. But it seems as if the the problem that that the uh, the American 
sort of sea parks and all were starting up in like the 60s and 70s with orcas it's only just starting in china now um so it's something to keep an eye on and i'm sure that means we're going to get a whole lot more documentaries about orcas and about you know it's it's, i don't know what it is about an orca but it's it's an animal that really garners a lot of empathy from humans when you actually get explained people believe when you tell them like the science of an orca's brain and 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 how they are so they are so intelligent and all the different displays they do in in the wild and all the different behaviors they can do for some reason that really resonated with people through blackfish mm. and and i think that i think we will we will see a day where there is worldwide banning of orcas in captivity i think we will <clears> see <throat> that day yeah um but i don't know when that will be now that china's uh sort of starting this up again uh but i think that, that there are some animals in the world which it's harder to get empathy for. Yeah. For some reason, I mean, it's the I understand ones. it. That is the, that is the, unfortunately the, the long yeah. and short and, of it. And, and orcas are black, you know, they're black and white and they're very striking looking and they've got a nice smile. They got a nice smile. Yeah. Uh, you know, they've got, they've got pronounceable names and yeah. therefore people get on board with it, which I'm as an orca fan, I'm I, I yeah, love Yeah, Yeah, exactly. You pick, you pick the right team with team orca because they're always going to get support. But it's interesting actually, you talk about, um, documentaries uh more documentaries coming out because a lot of the activists who were in um uh the long gone wild were also in the uh 2021 documentary sea spiracy which i don't know if you've actually watched that yet um, not yet i uh, to be honest i didn't like it very much i thought it was not that i disagreed with anything it was saying but it for a documentary like that to kind of grab me it needs to be like blackfish where although blackfish is wearing its kind of narrative focus very very heavily on its sleeve like it's like this is the story we're telling yeah and i you know i believed everything it did but there was obviously you know they, they wanted to tell the story that they were telling um mm-hmm. in the way they presented it um and, and sea spiracy is more just like industrial levels of fishing are really badly damaging all the fish in the ocean and and it's kind of like yeah yeah that's obvious <laughs> like what else like well, there's no narrative yeah. to that and it's kind of like the, the sort of charming naivete of the of the um, presenter of that documentary is fine for like would be fine for like a twenty five minute Vice documentary, but when it's like an hour and a half film, it's a bit like okay, dude, you really need to like maybe do a bit more research before you try and make a film about this. Well, it, okay, my, my my response to that, I haven't seen Seaspiracy, but my response to that, Conrad, is sometimes documentaries need to be made to spread a message. And yeah, that is true. Yeah, when you're plugged in, like me and you are, cool young cats, right? You know, cats and kittens. But when we're when we're when we're plugged in like we are, we sort of already know the issues. Where some people wouldn't be. For example, there was a film come out called The Social Dilemma. Um, I don't know if I saw about, I, I saw half an hour of it. Basically, my my brother said to me um, that I should watch this documentary because you know Facebook ads are like recording all of our information mm. and like. Uh, you know, targeted ads and you know, targeted political political ads and how it's affecting elections around the world. And I, I, it made me realize I was like, yeah, I know that. And not only that, I've kind of been saying this to you for the last five years. <laughs> yeah. Um. So sometimes it does take a very obvious point by point documentary for people to even think about a problem. Yeah, that is true. I, and you know, I'm glad this. I'm glad conspiracy exists because I'd rather it exist and have a very obvious message than not exist mm-hmm. and no one know about it. Um. I'll be, you should watch that, and we'll, like maybe we'll talk about that. Um. Talk about talk about it when you do because i'll be interested okay. to see what you think of it um well i will i will say i will say that i, I haven't seen conspiracy and i probably will believe everything that they say and i may or may not 
you know, cut down how much fish I eat because of it. I am that type of person. Yeah. Um, having said that, um, I do recognize before I even go into it that there are examples of some documentaries. Now, I'm not saying this is one, and I pr- it probably isn't, but there are some documentaries that base their, like the pe- person who wants to make the documentary has the idea to make the documentary, and then it takes them five years to make the documentary. So by the time they make the documentary and put it out, the science is already out of date. Yeah, and they've been beaten to the punch by the advancing yeah. science or whatever. So I, I don't, I'm not going to say, like, I, I'd imagine, like, I, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I know before I watch it that the oceans are fucked and we need to do yeah. something about it. Um, but, but I do go into sort of telling me that the world's going to end documentaries with a bit of that grain of salt. Because yeah. I think there was one that came out, um, and actually I was really disappointed. I think Michael Moore actually... Um, produced it uh and i generally like he's a bit over the he's really over the top like but i i enjoy i enjoy his documentaries uh to a certain extent uh but um there was one that he did that he produced he didn't make it himself but that it was it was talking about how um renewable energy isn't the future um uh, and and put this put this put this across and talking about how uh you would never be able to sustain life on earth with uh solar power wind power tidal power all this and as soon as the documentary came out, it was just panned because all of the papers that they were basing the narrative of the documentary from were from 2006 and have all been widely been discredited. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, the, like, the, the one thing I will say for Seaspiracy is like the, 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 it doesn't get that much into the science, which is probably in its favor because that won't, probably won't happen with it. And the most okay. interesting things about it is when they catch people who work for uh, like charities um, that are dedicated to cleaning up the oceans openly lying on camera about the thing that oh. causes the oceans to be fucked because they have ties to uh, uh, big fishing companies. That stuff is interesting and I, that I, it's kind of, that was one of the reasons I won't spoil too much about it, but that was one of the reasons why I was disappointed in it because that stuff's a little bit uh, there's not that much of it obviously because it's quite difficult to get interviews with people once word gets round that you're asking hardball questions but it's it is it's worth checking out and and it sounds like you know if if the number of um that given the number of activists who are on long gone wild uh are also in seaspiracy sounds like long gone wild it's probably quite similar to it actually yeah no no i i, I did i did enjoy it um i will say if you want a little bit of um live on the ground documentary uh sort of news reporting here i'll let me say you something right i've 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 uncovered a conspiracy. Oh go on, oh, the, go on. here we are. Welcome the, to the conspiracy corner. Yeah, I've I have discovered a conspiracy okay. within the do- and if any documentary is watching and you want to make this documentary off you go. <laughs> there is a conspiracy within the UK government. Fuck. Um and I think we all saw it coming. But do you remember a few years ago, uh the Tories, if anyone doesn't know, the Tories are the right wing party in uh, the UK the UK. They actually sold uh, and like privatized the, 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 the Royal Mail. So the post office uh in in the uk has become privatized mm. now a wing of a wing of the post office i don't know if you're aware of this is um broadband internet okay oh, I didn't know that. so so you can actually get your broadband from the post office so i my internet is from the post office now here is where my little uh, sleuthing comes in i didn't actually have to do any sleuthing because the letter came <laughs> through the door the post office uh broadband department has been acquired or I should say, given to Shell. Okay, interesting. So, who's one of the biggest uh, donate d- donation to uh, right wing politicians? 
shell. Um, oh, I'm not even just sorry, no, Centris two, um, and not not three four years after people warned that privatizing the post office was a bad idea. Not three four years after the oil company is getting part of that post office company. Um, Lobbying. I don't know. There's and something here. There's something here, Conrad. <laughs> Who would have thought? A, a, I'm gonna make some a, phone calls. A mom and pop organization <laughs> like Shell, just a wholesome mom and pop organization, <laughs> could possibly be involved in something like that. And yet here we are. I, I'm shocked. I'm shocked and appalled. My broadband bill says Shell on it now. That's shocking. Well, I'm, I'm going to be changing soon. I don't want to be paying Shell. Bring it all down. That's my philosophy. Yep. Bring it. Bring the system down. It's broken. <laughs> it's fundamentally broken. I'll tell you what's not broken though. That is us answering uh, the most important question that we could possibly answer um, on a movie podcast, and that's not which government is most corrupt. But this week, what is your favourite movie? For the first time ever, do you think we should we could say it at the same time? Um, yes, I think we probably can this week. Um, so right, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna meme this. I am tempted to say Billy Madison. Right, ready? <laughs> F- favorite movie? Three, two, one. Sound of Metal. Sound of Metal. Yeah. Yes. It was really good. Although uh, Mortal Kombat is also really good. <laughs> so, yeah. so like, go go watch that if you want to see someone be cut in half. Um, oh, I mean that might happen in Sound of Metal as well. We don't deal with spoilers here. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> yeah. Ch- tune in um, next week. You just told a spoiler to Mortal Kombat to say we don't tell spoilers to Sound of That's Metal. That's true. Okay. We play fast and loose with spoilers here, frankly. <laughs> um, we're not going to worry about that right how dare you hold me accountable to the standards I, I supposedly espouse on this show um, tune in to next week's show where we will uh, we will rigidly adhere to the standards we've set uh, we're doing another yeah. movie diary I think um, not I think no we we're, are. Oh, no, no, we're not we're are we not, not doing one next week okay excellent no. next week is a themed episode uh, should we reveal what it is yes we yeah, will reveal. let's reveal what it is then we are going to be doing movies so bad they're good Mortal Kombat could be in there again. Look for the double header. I shouldn't do that because I'm a guy out of focus. Um, I was kind of pumping my hands towards the camera for the audio listeners. Um, <laughs> that'll be good fun. Uh, yeah, so check that check that out next week then. I wasn't sure if we were going to do the themed episode, but now I know. Um, thank you to Nancy Wyatt and Jared Iscariot for the use of our theme song. You can find a uh, link to their stuff down in the bits below. And thank you to you for joining us. Please once again just consider subscribing we're the best movie podcast ever on podcasting apps and the culture cave on youtube uh get involved in the comments let us know what you've watched or what you thought of what we watched give the video a like and we will see you same time same place next week and cut <laughs> <laughs>